You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Tuesday, the 6th of October. And if you're watching in New Mexico right now, tonight is your last chance to register to vote. So if you want to vote this year, then go to this website and register before midnight. And if you don't live in New Mexico, you only have an hour to move to New Mexico and register to vote. There's no time to pack. Just grab your keys. Go now. Go! Anyway, on tonight's show, why America should be grateful that Donald Trump has corona, Roy Wood Jr. gets his vote suppressed, and how America's presidents have been lying about being healthy for 200 years. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off by talking about some of the stories that we can't really spend time on today because Donald Trump still has COVID-19. For example, gay people taking over the Proud Boys hashtag with photos of themselves showing off their gay pride. I don't care what anyone says, this is great. I'm glad the internet is doing more troll white supremacist viral challenges and fewer eat something that'll cause violent diarrhea challenges. There's also the news about how the CDC is finally acknowledging that the coronavirus can linger in the air after an infected person leaves the room. So it's kind of like a fart. Only this time it's actually silent but deadly. Not to mention, Mike Pence is now refusing to stand behind plexiglass at his debate with Kamala Harris tomorrow, which just blows my mind. Because forget plexiglass. After what we've seen at the White House this past week, the only place Pence should be allowed to debate is from inside an aquarium made of Purell. But like I said, people, we can't really talk about those stories today because Donald Trump is back at the White House. Yep, he did that thing that tough guys do in the movies where they tear the ivy out of their arm and say, I'm checking myself out of this hospital. And then he very carefully walked down the stairs to his car. I mean, just look at how he pats the banister like it's a puppy. That's a guy who thinks it looks weak to hold on to something, but also needs to reassure himself that it's there just in case. And that's why this whole COVID thing is a real dilemma for President Trump. Because sick man leaves hospital to continue getting round-the-clock medical attention at home is not exactly a flattering story. But sick man kicks viruses' ass and can never get sick again? Now that's a good story. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. We're going back, we're going back to work, we're gonna be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front, I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. Maybe I'm immune. Maybe I'm Spider-Man. And I can shoot webs out of my wrists. Who knows? Pew, 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 pew. What the hell kind of a thing is that to say? Maybe I'm immune? I don't know. It sounds like the last thing a frat bro says right before he drinks the toilet water for 20 bucks. But I mean, at least now we know how Trump is gonna try spin this whole episode, you know? It's not that he was so reckless and ignorant that he got himself and possibly many other people dangerously sick. It's that as a leader, he was brave enough to confront the virus head on. Just like the only way to study marine biology is to get eaten by a walrus. 
And now that I think about it, it's actually an amazing excuse. Yeah, from now on, I'm definitely pretending dumb shit that I do is actually brave leadership. Guys, I had to accidentally eat too many edibles and freak out in the park because if I didn't confront those talking squirrels, who would? And of course, Trump being Trump, every second of his return to the White House was choreographed for maximum television impact. This morning, President Trump is back at the White House. The president stood on a balcony and removed his mask in a dramatic gesture. A double thumbs up, a salute, and no mask. The president is going inside those doors and then he comes back out still without a mask on, apparently to reshoot his entrance into the White House. It's about four people within close proximity of the president who, of course, like we said, is not wearing a mask. This is part of this staged entrance that the president is making where he wants to be back at the White House. God damn. The dude ripped his mask off the second he got home. And I know Trump thinks this is a triumphant moment, but he's presumably still riddled with COVID. And he's about to walk indoors and expose it to everyone inside. Yo, this wasn't a photo op. It was a biological attack on the White House. I mean, there was a photographer standing right next to him. That dude is basically the world's unluckiest Instagram boyfriend. I honestly can't believe this. This is Trump putting his own staff at risk. You would think he would be a lot more careful about protecting his own staff. This is coronavirus, not a prison sentence. You can't just pardon them afterwards. No more corona, you're good. What, doesn't work like that? Okay, my bad. Now, it would be hard to believe that Trump getting infected, going to the hospital, and then going home once he was slightly less sick is some kind of impressive victory for him. But Team Trump wants to go even further. And they're trying to convince you that Trump getting COVID is why you should vote for him. The president has coronavirus right now. He is battling it head on as toughly as only President Trump can. The president, by by fighting this, is kind of leading the way. I mean, he's a general that leads from the front. He's not asking people to take risks that he doesn't take. That's what America needs right now. We need somebody who's gonna get us to to realize that we can live with this risk. This is like when the general gets wounded by the invisible enemy, goes and gets patched up, and then gets right back to the front line. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn took to Twitter to celebrate. She says, quote, President Trump has once again defeated China. Welcome home. Listen, he has experience as commander-in-chief. He has experience as a businessman. He has experience now uh, fighting the coronavirus as an individual. Those firsthand experiences, Joe Biden, he doesn't have those. Really? Joe Biden doesn't have the experience of being infected with corona? Man, you almost gotta appreciate the balls of the Trump campaign. Who else would come out and say, look, do we really want to vote for someone who understands how masks work? I mean, by that logic, Trump can't understand any issue until he gets his ass kicked by it first. I mean, he should be going around like, how can Joe Biden save the auto industry when he hasn't smashed his hand closed in the trunk? Ah, I'm ready. Look, man, there's nothing noble about getting corona because you refused to be safe. But if they're claiming that Trump has gained valuable experience from personally being infected with the coronavirus, well, what exactly is it that Trump has learned? Today, the president sending this message, tweeting, flu season is coming up. Many people every year, sometimes over 100,000, and despite the vaccine, die from the flu. Are we going to close down our country? No, we have learned to live with it. 
just like we are learning to live with COVID, in most populations, far less lethal. And the president of the United States comparing it to the flu yet again, going back to messaging he used in March. Oh, I can't believe we're back to this. It's just like the flu, we're back to this. How are we back to this? Look, I don't know how it's possible to see all the damage that coronavirus has done this year, then get seriously sick from it yourself, and then come out of the hospital and say it's no big deal, it's just like the flu? You know, you would think that somewhere along that journey, Trump would pick up a tiny, tiny bit of knowledge. But hey, maybe he's immune to that too. I don't know. All right, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, We'll tell you why hiding information about the president's health is a great American tradition. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. The most important story in America right now is President Trump's health. And what's weird about that is we don't really know much about it at all. Despite President Trump's tweet that he was feeling better than he did 20 years ago, serious questions remain about the actual state of his health. People have the right to demand to know more. This is information that the public has a claim to. What does a scan of his lungs show? When did he last test negative for the virus? We've not had a real medical report from this president, unlike previous presidents. This is the first president we have not had a full medical report, a, a really transparent disclosure. This is not a partisan issue. Everybody should have accurate information about the president's health. I think it's scary for our country. I think this is like a very unprecedented moment where we really don't know what's going on. This really shows you where we're at right now. People are begging for more information about Trump's body. And part of the reason the secrecy makes everyone nervous is because we all know that if Trump's lungs were clear, he would never shut up about it. He'd be telling us he has the best lungs ever. They passed all their tests. They're identifying rhinos left and right. Now, on the surface, it might seem like hiding his health problems from the American people is yet another example of Trump breaking the norms of the presidency. You know, like not releasing his tax returns or eating the Thanksgiving turkey instead of pardoning it. But it turns out there's a long history of American presidents keeping health secrets from the public. And it's the subject of another installment of our ongoing segment, If you don't know, now you know. Being president is a weird job. Because in a democracy, the president is the leader of the country, but they're also an employee. So do presidents have the right to keep their health problems to themselves? Well, throughout history, presidents have answered yes. Eisenhower was the first president to actually open up medical records, but when a bad event happened, they went into a kind of cover-up mode. September of 1955, he was in Colorado and had a massive, I mean massive heart attack, and instead his personal doctor told the press it was indigestion. After Ronald Reagan was shot in 1981, the White House released a photo showing him standing with Nancy Reagan, cropping out a nurse holding a machine connected to a chest tube and never revealing how close he came to dying. Kennedy flatly denied his Addison's disease, a hormonal deficiency that can cause fatigue, low blood pressure, and weight loss. But he had it. 
While in office, he at times took as many as eight medications a day just to function, including painkillers, stimulants, antibiotics, steroids, hormones. The man was essentially a walking pharmacy. FDR was never transparent about his health, never. He tried to hide that he used a wheelchair for years and largely got away with it. If Secret Service agents saw a photographer taking a picture of Roosevelt, say, getting out of his car, they would seize the camera and tear out the film. Damn. FDR's people really went all out to make sure people didn't see him in a wheelchair. Which kind of makes you wonder what they told people was actually going on. Isn't it weird that we've never seen the president stand up or walk? Yeah, he's lazy as shit, okay? No more questions. Let's move on. I mean, look, at least back then, you could tear out someone's film in their camera. In 2020, the moment someone points a camera at you, you're already a meme. It's like, give me that phone. Give me that phone. Give me that phone. Give me that, give me, give me, give me, give me that, give me that, give me that phone. But yes, throughout American history, administrations did whatever it took to keep secrets about the president's health. From lying about FDR's wheelchair by confiscating cameras, to lying about Bill Clinton's asthma by hiding his inhaler in a saxophone. In fact, hiding health conditions goes all the way back to Lincoln. I mean, why do you think he was wearing that top hat? Dude had a conjoined twin under there, guys. That's, that's real, right? I saw that on Facebook. In fact, the only American president who didn't get away with it was President Taft. Man, they spilled all the tea on that guy. Poor dude got stuck in a bathtub once. Now we're still talking about it 100 years later. And then there's Grover Cleveland, 22nd president and world's most adorable Grover. Yeah, I said it, Grover. You mutant smurf. When it came to keeping secrets, President Cleveland took it to a whole new level. It's hard to imagine an American president dropping out of sight for nearly a week. But that's exactly what happened in 1893, when Grover Cleveland underwent secret cancer surgery. Back in 1893, Grover Cleveland actually had a cancerous tumor in the roof of his mouth. He didn't want anybody to know, so they snuck him onto a yacht. He had a friend who owned a yacht, so the cover story would be, oh, I'm just going on a fishing trip. And while they were on that boat, the operation took place. Six doctors were recruited. They were all sworn to secrecy. And in about 90 minutes, they removed most of his upper left palate, uh, five teeth, and a good part of his uh, upper left jaw as well. They managed to keep the uh, press at bay. They kept them at a distance from his home on Cape Cod until the wound was healed well enough. It took about three weeks. And then he was fitted with a prosthetic device that he could pop up uh, into his upper left jaw. But by and large, the secret held for 24 years. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Nobody heard from the president for three weeks? What a dream. God damn, that's a major cover-up. Grover Cleveland basically invented that move that celebrities do when they get secret butt implants. Oh yeah, I've just been away traveling for a couple weeks. Oh my butt. Yeah, I guess it did get twice as big. You know how vacations are. And if you ask me, it's hard to imagine a riskier situation for a president. Surgery on a boat in 1893? And don't forget, they had dragons back then. President Cleveland was a sitting duck out there. I saw that on Facebook. That's a real thing, right? Honestly, I don't even know why Cleveland went through all this trouble. If I were a president with a fake jaw, I would own that shit, baby. I would use it to intimidate other foreign leaders. Oh, what's that, China? You gonna put sanctions on us? Well, check this out. And look, 
Maybe it's not a big problem if a president hides some dental work or a mild pill addiction. I mean, as long as they can still do the job, what's the difference? But there was also one case of a president who got so sick that he couldn't do the job and they still didn't tell the American people. Woodrow Wilson had a stroke that not even his closest advisors knew about. His last year and a half, almost a year and a half in office, he was incapacitated. His wife tried to conceal how bad it was. It turns out he was partially blind. He was partially paralyzed. He was lying upstairs in a bed in the White House, growing a beard, and they pretended that it was not that bad. His wife and his doctor told the cabinet and told the vice president, he's okay, we got this. You just can't see him. He's in seclusion upstairs and we'll pass down his decisions. They told the public their leader was suffering from exhaustion. Many say Edith Wilson effectively ran the country during that time. Holy shit. You guys act like this is some fun little quirk of American history, but y'all had a straight up coup. And also a secret woman president, guys. That's huge. Why don't people talk about this more? Who run the world? Girls. But only behind the scenes while getting none of the credit? Girls. So yes, America has a proud history of its presidents misleading the public about their health. So from now on, when you hear Trump or his doctors withholding medical information, don't stress. Because in a way, this might actually be the most presidential thing Donald Trump has ever done. And if you don't know, now you know. It's time for us to take a short break, but don't go away, because when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. goes postal, and Jason Sudeikis is still on the show. Don't go away. You see all these examples of presidents who had poor health and also received poor health care. Poor James Garfield, he got shot uh, in uh, Washington shortly after he took office in 1881, and so many doctors put their fingers in the wound to try to find out where the bullet went that uh, an infection developed, and that was what actually killed him. Harding had such terrible heart failure, but uh, his White House doctor was an old family friend from Ohio. He was a homeopath. He liked to prescribe pills by color, and so if Harding was having some kind of problem, he might say, take two pink pills. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Yesterday, the US Supreme Court upheld a law in South Carolina that requires mail-in voters to have their absentee ballot witnessed by one other person, which in these days of pandemic isolation is going to make it hard for some people to vote at all. It turns out though, South Carolina isn't the only state making it more difficult for people to vote by mail. And you're asking how that can be? Well, our very own Roy Wood Jr. has more. The Rona election is upon us, and vote by mail is the only way people will be able to vote safely. But not all states are making it easy. The Supreme Court approving a request from South Carolina to reinstate a law requiring absentee ballots to have a witness's signature. The process of notarizing your absentee ballot in Missouri has also been closely watched by local civil rights groups. Voters in Texas are confused about what exactly is allowed in our state. If you put on your application that you want to vote by mail because of COVID, that application must be rejected. Damn, states like Texas and South Carolina really are actively limiting absentee voting. To find out more, I spoke with Myrna Perez, an expert in American voting rights. Madam Perez, uh, bring me up to speed real quick. Where are we with voting by mail in this country right now? We're gonna 
gonna have some glitches, but every state in the country has a vote by mail process. We have been using vote by mail since the Civil War, but we still have a handful of states that are going to put barriers in front of the ballot box, forcing people to choose uh, between their health and exercising their fundamental right to vote. Why are some states like Texas making it so hard for people to vote by mail? I think there's no other explanation other than they're worried about how their own voters are gonna vote. Ah, makes perfect sense. The people in charge of voting, making sure that people can't vote. Feels very American to me. And what a surprise. Turns out most of the states pushing back against vote by mail are controlled by Republicans. But maybe I'm not giving Republicans the benefit of the doubt, because if you ask them, they'll say there's a perfectly good reason for limiting absentee ballots. President Trump has warned for months that expanded voting by mail because of the pandemic will lead to massive voter fraud. There will be extraordinary confusion and chaos in the aftermath. It is open to fraud and coercion. A postman in a very Republican district, for example, could throw out every ballot that he gets. There'll be no ramifications for that. We all know that rogue mailmen can be dangerous. It's disgruntled postal workers! But are these claims legit? Kim Wyman, one of the OGs of Vote by Mail, says her state system is proof that voting by mail works. Our state votes entirely by mail, and we have since 2011. So uh, we mail every voter that's eligible a ballot about 20 days before Election Day, and then they get to vote when it's convenient for them. Why should I trust your process? Why should the other 49 states trust what you're doing? because we have, have spent about 20 years really fine-tuning it, building in the security measures so when people attack it and, and call it into question and say there's fraud, we can demonstrate that it's secure and we can show how it really empowers everyone to, to participate. Have you told your Republican colleagues in other states about this? Because they don't seem too interested in expanding vote by mail. Well. We've been working with all 50 states and, and certainly different states are in different places in terms of technology and their capacity for mail-in voting. But, you know, I think every one of my counterparts wants to empower their voters, give them options to be able to choose to vote at home or vote in person. And I'm confident by, by November they'll be ready. You say your office has been in contact with all the other states? Yes, we have. Would, can you talk to Texas one more time? I think they sent you the voicemail. Check with Texas. I will. Wyman, a Republican, insists this should not be a partisan issue. And yet it seems like it is. Colorado's Secretary of State Jenna Griswold has another word for it. That is voter suppression. Trying to make it harder for Americans to use the best way to vote during a pandemic is voter suppression. We shouldn't be forcing Americans to risk their health to cast a ballot. A lot of Republicans don't like vote by mail and they use the argument of ballot tampering and, you know, you can take the ballot and throw them out in the trash somewhere. So what do you say to those critics? I'll tell you, Colorado shows the opposite. In two out of our three last general elections, more Republican voters have used a mail ballot than Democrats. Wait, so Republicans are fighting to stop something that statistically has worked to their advantage in some states. You know, that's totally true. I would call that biting the hand that feeds you, but it seemed like Republicans just ate the whole damn arm. So it's voter suppression, plain and simple. But with only weeks left until the election, is there anything we can do to ensure people's ability to vote? Listen, Madam Secretary, what you are doing is amazing. You have my full support. It's just too bad that there's nothing I could do to help, but good luck. The good news for you, Roy, is that you can actually sign up to be a poll worker. Oh, 
Oh, you mean work at the, what day? What day is election day? That's a Tuesday, November? First Tuesday. Yeah, I'm not open. I'm sorry. But it's okay, Roy. We have early voting. Are you available on October 19th? Can I? Roy, I know you're not frozen. How about November 2nd? I'm frozen. I'm froze. I'm fro I'm frozen. For the love of God, make sure you check with your states to vote by mail this year. Thank you so much for that, Roy. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to the one and only Jason Sudeikis. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with actor and comedian Jason Sudeikis. He's got an incredible new show on Apple TV Plus about an American who goes to England to run a soccer team. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be this six is, This is so me. amazing. I've learned so many things about you from this Apple Plus documentary. Like, I didn't know that you you went to coach a football team in England. Explain this story to me because I was watching this documentary and I was like, man, this is crazy. Jason Sudeikis just went to a, like England. I don't even know when you went. And all of a sudden you were coaching a British football team, AFC Richmond. I hadn't even heard of them. I was like, this is an amazing story. Okay, I see what's going on now. Yeah, that's a television program. That's, not, that's actually not a documentary. You might be thinking of um, All or Nothing on Amazon, but the thing on Apple Plus, that's a, that's a narrative show that we, that we wrote. I'm acting, I'm doing a... I'm doing like a funny voice, you know. They call me Ted Lasso, right? That's not my name. Oh, so that's like a, like a, in soccer, people have names like Ronaldinho. That's not his name. I mean, like, I think that is his name. I'm pretty sure oh, that, that it's like it's like a nickname. It's like Pele. His name's not Pele. No one's named Pele. It it's it, Pe it's like, like Pele, Pele Johnson. It's not that's not his name. Pele, it's like Pele Gersberg. But there was real... No, dude, you're trying to... I see what you're doing. Jason Sudeikis, messing with me. No, no, no. I see what you're doing. No, no. this is very it, flattering. I, I'll that tell you how I know it's a documentary, documentary because I saw there's fans in the crowd. It's real soccer matches. No, they, they call those essays supporting actors in the UK. We call them extras here. I, you know, so, you know, one of the many cultural differences that we explore on the television program, which you watch, which is not a documentary. So, okay, wait, wait, let me get this straight. So are you saying everybody in the show is an actor? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, like everybody is an actor. Uh, like, with so the, the players are actors. Yes. You, you, you are acting. Uh, it, the, owner the, team, yes. the, the owner of the team is acting. Hundred percent. And, the, and, and the, the fans, line. the fans are acting. Yes. Oh boy, are they ever? Yeah, they were probably watching little to nothing. Like that's they were. They're probably the, the best actors of the bunch. How did you make it seem like there were giant soccer matches happening if there weren't giant soccer matches happening? Right. Okay. Well, we, we, we hired people to pretend to be the other teams. Um, we hired, you know, people to pretend to be part of Man City, um, uh, Manchester City. We, we, we hired cameramen, uh, you know, to film it. Jason, I know how TV is made. I'm not an idiot. Okay. I, I, I don't know what more to tell you here. I, I'm, I mean, there's, there's like an opening title sequence. There's like a song. Marcus Mumford sings a song. Well, there's a song that plays before the news. Like, before I watch CNN, they'll be like, pa, 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 this is CNN. Like, yeah, oh. but it's not... Yeah, but they don't show Anderson Cooper, like, sitting down in a chair and, like, you know, there's a whole... Okay, so let, let, I'll play your game. So let's just say this was a... Let's say this was a, a TV show. Okay. It's not a documentary, even though you're in it. It's your face, your facial hair, you're talking to players. So wh what is the story about? It's about Ted Lasso. Is that, is that his name, Ted Lasso? 
And he's this American guy who goes to England to become a coach of a team and he knows nothing about the sport? Yeah, bingo, you got it, that's it. How much of it did you end up watching? The whole thing. And you thought it was a doc? I mean, that's... Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I was like, it got renewed for a second season. I was like, of course it gets renewed for a second season. I was like, we want to see more of where this ends up. Because I was like, I want to see how Jason Sudeikis coaches a team during a pandemic. Okay, well, that's... I mean, there's credits at the end where it has, like, the fake Who watches credits? Who watches... Who's ever watched credits? I I mean, I don't know. Do you have an Apple TV? Do you know what happens when you watch a show? You click on the thing, as soon as it gets to the last scene, it's like, do you wanna see the next episode? You go, yes, who watches credits, Jason? Even if you're watching on like cable TV, the credits like shrink to the bottom of the screen and then the next TV show starts. I don't you, you can't read what's happening in there. It's like terms and conditions. I can't believe you're gonna make me seem like I'm crazy because I don't watch credits. No one watches credits. No, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Very few people do. Look, from my perspective, that's just a compliment that you thought I was really doing it and yeah, I, I have to take it at that point. I mean, is this after a lot of wine? Do you watch a lot of TV after, like, you know, a couple bottles? Of... I, I feel like that's a very personal question to ask me on, on like, a, like, a live... You could ask me this after the interview. I, I'm in my home, you know, like... Yeah, but I mean, like, why... that? Now I feel like that's, like, a personal dig at me as a person. Why would that be a dig? Are you a drunk TV watcher? I mean, you said in a very classy way, but what you said to me is, are you a drunk watcher of TV? You no. like, are you depressed? Do you sit at home and dr- drink wine and watch TV? I meant where your defense is down, where, you, you know, it was the self-editor inside of all of us. Was that little voice maybe, you know, chilled out? I don't know. You I know, don't know. From, I don't know. And, you I, know, I, Veritas. I, maybe even your appreciation. Of it. Maybe I'm being, you know, self-effacing, a little humble. No, thinking I, that. I thought, you know what? I was sober, Jason. I was sober and it was an amazing show. And I'm not going to let you take that away from me. Your show is made in such a real heartfelt way that I thought it was a documentary. And I'm willing to take that. I'm, 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 I'm the kind of person in therapy I've learned that I can, I can admit when I've made a mistake. My, my ego doesn't block me. I made a mistake. Right. I'm sorry that your show is so amazing that I thought it was a documentary. I'm sorry. I just think maybe you should say that to the people when they click on the thing, when they start watching it, you should be like, please know this is a fake show. Cause like with Game of Thrones, you know, cause there's dragons. I'm like, this is probably not a real show. But then when I watch a show about a soccer guy and it's you, and then like, do you know what I mean? I do get it. I get. I, yeah, there is a there is a big difference there. It's not like you speak in a British accent. You still you're American. One hundred percent. I'm super American. Right. Your voice is a little different, but I just thought like maybe you're trying to like ingratiate yourself to them or something. That's what I thought was happening. Putting it on a little bit. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. No, I I, I get that. We did we did we did fake stuff inside real stuff. You know, kind of like uh, you see, you know, frame Roger Rabbit. Yes, you see. Now, now I'm I'm. As we, say, as we say in therapy, we may have missed each other on the freeway, but we were both driving on the same road. True. That well said. That's, I, and I apologize if I may have come off as hostile. That wasn't my intention. I, um, hey, I, I understand it now. That, the, sorry yeah. for you know, insinuating that it was through a drunken stupor that you may have gotten confused. If, if, um, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I may have I to rewatch have, this interview. Yeah, I don't have I don't have questions because of I based I thought I was talking to you about a documentary, so I don't have any questions based on a TV show. So we might have to like reschedule. Maybe we do like another interview sometime, and then I can yep. ask you about it because I have to go back now and just rewatch the whole thing in a, like a different emotional state. I I, I mean I, I appreciate it. I can't wait to pass it on to folks there. Um, you know I assume we won't air this interview because this was a a mess. You know on I have to fill the time. Sides. I can't do anything. I have to fill the time. Okay, so it is going to You screwed me. I have to fill the time. I can't tell my bosses. I couldn't put a show on TV because Jason Sudeikis lied. Next time, come with like a show that you're like, like just be explicit about it next time and, 
it's always fun having you and um i love you man thank you so much jason hey love you back man uh keep doing the, the good stuff you know what i mean all right my friend all right no one told me it was a, a like it's it's supposed to be it's i swear it's a documentary what happened to john stewart well that's our show for tonight but before we go the deadline to register to vote is coming up in many states and if you haven't registered yet or you aren't sure if you have registered, well, time is running out to make sure that you can vote in November. All you have to do is go to votevotevote.com to check your registration status and see your voting options. Also, tomorrow night is the vice presidential debate, and we're gonna be doing live commentary during it. So all you need to do is follow us on social media so that you don't miss out. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, leadership is just a mistake you meant to do. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 